I have to um, take a personal note here to just say thank you um, to Leanne um, for welcoming me so graciously this morning, to Reverend Wright, who um, was meticulous in preparing me for today, and all that, her emails and her texts and her phone calls. I hope that she's on that flight out there um, to West to have a great time and enjoy herself with her husband and that she has let it go. I told her to, I said, you've done great, just, I, I got it, okay? And to Dr. Boykin, Sterling is a special friend of mine. He has um, been with me since I started here as a DS, and he started with you as your senior pastor. In fact, my first time to worship as a district superintendent was here with you all in Ashton Place on his first Sunday. I now think what a horrible thing that was to do to him for his DS to show up on his first Sunday. But I wasn't thinking of me being a DS. I was just Deborah Bishop showing up to worship with my husband. He has been a true treasure, and I appreciate him very much. And I'm um, sorry for the circumstances that I'm here, but I'm glad for our connection as United Methodists that allows us to support each other and be there for each other when we are in need. It is different um, on Epiphany Sunday for me. It has been different since the year 2010 when it was the first Epiphany Sunday that I had after I had made my first trip to the Holy Land. It became intimate to me and overwhelming to me on that trip to Israel. I stood at that um, traditional site of Jesus' baptism it's called traditional and that no one really knows the site. And this one is just south of, south of the bridge that's just south of the Sea of Galilee where it dumps back into the Jordan River. And the tour guides bring busloads of tourists to this point. Our guide had been very intentional with us. We were a group of 22 pastors on a retreat. And he said, remember, many myths, one Jesus. Do not let the commercialism get in the way of the spiritual experience. And that was um, some good advice when you visit Israel because you can let all of those things, well, this might have been the place, this could have been the place, get in the way of being in the place. And I appreciated those words as I stood in the Jordan River on a cement landing that rose up to cement steps where people gathered to pray or enjoy a devotion before they were either baptized or if you're a good Methodist, you remembered your baptism in the Jordan River. I stood there ankle deep, water looking south as the river flowed by me and little fish nipped at my feet. And I tried so hard to focus on Jesus and not the cement. And then I turned around. I saw an Eastern Orthodox priest with his robe and the big tall hat, I'm sure there's a special name for that, a long beard and two young boys standing at his side who were holding a book that he was reading from to the small crowd that was gathered around him. I did not know the language, but I knew the words. I knew the moment, I knew the feeling, 
and I knew that the Holy Spirit was present in so many ways. The cement was no longer a factor, nor was the place itself. It was about the word of God, Jesus, and the effect he had had on the world, and some astrologers on camels who followed a star and paid attention to a dream had made it all possible. What would it look like if they hadn't studied the stars? What would it look like if they hadn't made the journey? And what would it look like if they had bowed to an earthly king? As I left the site, I noticed what I had not noticed on the way in when the bus had dropped us all off. There were slabs of concrete on the walkway out, and they were huge. I had purposefully ignored them because I was concentrating on the moment and not all the concrete when I was going in. And these slabs, these huge slabs, you know, maybe 10 feet by 6 feet, I don't know, they were just big. On each one was printed the scripture written about Jesus' baptism in every language you could imagine. I walked and walked and walked, not being able to read, but again, knowing the words, knowing the Holy Spirit's presence, that so many people knew of this great light. Jesus did not come just for the Jews, Jesus did not come for the Roman Empire even. Jesus came for everyone in every language for us. And now, here we are 12 years later, and I'm here with you on Epiphany Sunday for us to celebrate and share that good news of the coming of the Christ into the world. We get an idea from our Jeremiah reading that people will travel to hear this great news. So many camels, the ship of the desert, they call it, they will cover the people. From Midian, that was associated with all the traffic lights, the traffic routes, these, these people would come on their camels and then go back and spread the word. From Ephra, that is abounding in camels, that as people came to buy camels, that they would hear about this man, Jesus and from Sheba, famed for its frankincense and gold. Those would be two of the three gifts. Nations will come, Jeremiah tells us, and kings, and they did. They came with gifts, and they returned home to tell everyone about this new king. Then in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Paul tells us how the coming of Christ made a difference in his life and how he's committed to sharing the love that changes lives with even the Gentiles. What would it look like if Saul had not submitted to the power of Jesus? If Saul had continued to be about the law? If Ananias had refused out of fear to go to Saul. We admit this morning that our celebration is different. 
We had to cancel the Ascension service because of COVID. I'm here instead of your two pastors. I'm thankful that some of you showed up. I, having been a pastor, know that our congregations tend not to show if we don't come. I never have quite understood that. I would tell my, my churches, you know, if, if, if I pick somebody to come, I want you to know that I know really smart people. There are, um, there are, are theories out there that guest preachers are either really bad so that we look better when we come back, or they're really good so we can say we know smart people. I will let Sterling decide which one he wants to admit to. We're going to continue to pray for Sterling and for Kristen as he heals and as she finds spiritual healing and time with her husband. It's the first Sunday of the new year, the second day of 2022, and already we are challenged with change, and we know how we do not like change. When Dr. Boykin texted me with his news and asked me if I was available to preach, he assured me everything would be taken care of. All I had to do was preach, and that's true. I read the scripture, I preach, and I do the benediction. It's the easiest gig I've ever had. And I get to walk away. It's like being a grandparent, you know? You spawn them and then you just walk away. Leading worship is always particular to any church, and members depend on a rhythm, and it's necessary to have that rhythm as we worship. At the time Sterling and I were texting, my son and his wife were visiting from Washington, D.C., and um, he was sharing with us this after, that afternoon that he and a good friend had an, a new word that they used, a new phrase. When they think about doing something a little different, when they think they might want to change something or set something up a little different, one will look at the other and ask, what would it look like if? Matthew demonstrated it later with his wife that afternoon. He says, what would it look like if he began? And she immediately said, I know I won't like what's coming next. <laughs> when I told the family I'd be preaching here on Sunday, I mentioned the title of my sermon. What would it look like if? Matthew grinned. Yep, he said, anything will preach. This morning, I want to take a turn like Matthew and his friend have with this phrase. And instead of looking back at what it would look like if Paul didn't complete his journey to Christianity and become Paul, what would it look like if the kings, the astrologers didn't come or if they didn't go back home and share the good news? I want us to shift to the future, the way that Matthew and his friend use the phrase, kind of stepping out and doing something different. We have pondered what it would look like if the people God chose had not responded. Let's look now at making an adjustment in this year just like you've made an adjustment with worship this morning and done it differently. From this already, out of our comfort zone position, let's ask about the future 
and our response to Jesus' commission to go and make disciples. What would it look like if? We got out of bed every morning asking the Holy Spirit to lead us. We searched for more than just the stuff we have. If we want our lives to mean something more than the accomplishments or the job title or the resume. If we lived for the spiritual experiences and focused on them. If we brought all our treasures to God's church. If we told others about our commitment to sharing the good news of a savior for the world, the whole world, not just the world we know and we like. What would it look like if our relationship with God was our focus and we truly cared for others in a way that transformed lives, especially ours? Sometimes I think that our United Methodist mission statement is just a little bit too broad, but it truly has to be as a global church. We make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And yet I think it's so important for us to make that mission personal. That we make a disciple of Jesus Christ by using the good news of a savior for all for our own transformation. And then we share that joyfully with others, kind of like the wise men did, going to a place where they'd never been, searching for a king, and then going home and telling others. They were transformed in that moment when they knelt down to that child and they opened their treasure chest. Howard Thurman is one of my favorite authors and he wrote, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among all people, to make music in the heart.
The wise men came. Paul went. The priest at the baptism site taught the young man. And a little girl from a military family travels the world and settles in South Alabama, becomes a district superintendent, and gets to preach at Ashland Place United Methodist Church. For you, each of you, responding to great, the great love of God and the gift of that love, Jesus Christ, what would it look like if? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.